Hello ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy, busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we will be going through chapters 11 through 17 of Jeremiah. Just as a reminder, Jeremiah was from a priestly family, the son of Hilkiah. His hometown was Anathoth, which was located two to four miles northeast of Jerusalem. It is one of four towns in the tribe of Benjamin that were allotted for priests to live. And we find this in Joshua chapter 21 verses 17 and 18. One thing to note about Jeremiah's descendants, there's a good chance that he is a descendant of Eli the priest, but so far I've not found scripture to back that up completely. We know that Abiathar was a priest to King David. When David was about to die, his oldest son Adonijah tried to make himself king with the help of Abiathar, David's priest, and Joab, David's warrior. We find this in 1 Kings chapter 1 verses 5 through 7. However, David made Solomon king, and when Solomon reigned and King David was dead, he said to Abiathar, Go to Anathoth, Jeremiah's hometown, to your own field, for you deserve to die. But I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted in everything in which my father was afflicted. We find this in 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 26 and 27. Solomon then assigned Zadok as the king's priest in place of Abiathar. We find this in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 35. As my ESV study Bible says, Thus, Jeremiah was not an insider in temple politics. He was therefore in an unfavorable position to criticize the temple leadership. That explains the who and where he's from. Now let's review the when and to whom he was sent. In chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 of Jeremiah, we get the beginning of Jeremiah's ministry as well as an introduction of who he is. Verse 2 says, To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. The northern tribe of Israel is now demolished by Assyria, and it's moved out to different countries under Assyrian rule. Josiah is that last good king of the southern tribe of Judah, which includes Benjamin. He reigned around 640 to 609 BC. By the way, I figure most of you know this, but just in case... The birth of Jesus is the center of our timeline. So basically, and I use that word because there is great discussion on this point, we say he is born at the date of zero. So the dates before Jesus' birth are counting backwards down to Jesus. And then after Jesus' birth, we start counting upward. That is why the BC dates always start bigger and then go smaller. Now, in 2 Kings 22, we see the beginning of Josiah's reign. 
He was eight years old when he became king. In Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 3, we find that in his eighth year of his reign, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places and the idols. The very next year, the thirteenth year, that was when the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and his ministry began. Just a note, in the 18th year of Josiah's reign, he repairs the temple of the Lord, and that is where they find the book of the law, and revival begins, and the Passover is once again observed. And it was not celebrated like that since the days of Samuel the prophet. We find that in Second Chronicles chapter 35, verse 18. This would have been the fifth year of Jeremiah's ministry. Soon after this, King Josiah dies as he tried to attack the Egyptian king, Necho. The rest of the kings of Judah did not follow after the ways of the Lord. One thing Dr. Bet said in Old Testament class, I think the Reformation is really the heart and leadership of Josiah, and yet the people have not turned fully back to the Lord. This becomes very evident because when Josiah dies, they turn away from the Lord quickly. It is during this time that Jeremiah is speaking his prophecies of destruction from the north and a call to repentance. This sets the stage for chapter 11 verses 1 through 5. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Hear the word of this covenant and speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and say to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Cursed is the man who does not heed the words of this covenant which I commanded your forefathers in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Listen to my voice and do according to all which I command you, so you shall be my people and I will be your God in order to confirm the oath which I swore to your forefathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey as it is this day. Then I, meaning Jeremiah, then I said, Amen, O Lord. The nation of Israel is founded on a covenant. The first of their patriarchs were Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. God made a covenant with each of them that if they followed his ways, he would bless them, and he promised them descendants and land. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and through his son Joseph, Israel's family went to Egypt because of a famine. They stayed until one day there was a Pharaoh that did not remember Joseph and the Israelites became enslaved. God delivered them through the hand of Moses and through Moses and the law and the tabernacle, the covenant was renewed as in a marriage. This is the covenant that God speaks of. The Israelites promised to be faithful, but they weren't. Over and over and over again, this was the case. It is still the case here. And because the people have chosen not to be faithful, destruction is coming, which they cannot escape. Verse 11. 
Even though they are unfaithful, the Lord still calls them my beloved in verse 15. We also see in chapter 11 that the men of Anathoth, Jeremiah's hometown, have made a plot against Jeremiah, and he prays to the Lord to get him. Verse 20, the Lord says that he will take care of it and that there will not be a remnant left to them. Ladies, there is a time when we push the Lord too far and his mercy ends. Chapter 12 begins with an imprecatory prayer of Jeremiah about his enemies, and it ends with God's answer. The answer is that judgment is coming upon them. Again, in verse 7, we see that the Lord still calls Judah, the beloved of my soul, verse 7. Then in verses 14 through 17, it says that the judgment is that they will be exiled into other nations, but then he will call them back and any from the other nations who learn the ways of my people to declare as the Lord lives, they too will be built up like the Lord's people. But if not, the Lord will uproot that nation and destroy it. Now, up to this point, Jeremiah's ministry has been one of speaking the word of the Lord. But chapter 13 starts with what we think of as an object lesson. It is also called the acted sign or prophetic symbolism. The first one, a linen waist cloth, is found here. The Lord told him to buy it, but not wash it, just wear it. Then he was to go to the Euphrates River and take off the waist cloth and hide it there in a crevice of the rock. Jeremiah obeyed. After many days, the Lord told him to go and get the waist cloth. So he did. And it was marred, decayed, ruined, or as the ESV says, totally worthless. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, After this manner, will I mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. They will be good for nothing. Verse 11 says that just as this linen cloth or girdle cleaved to the loins of man, so the whole house of Israel and Judah should cleave to the Lord, but they would not listen. Then starting in verse 12, Jeremiah's speaking ministry begins again. One thing that I find interesting is that the object lesson seemed to be for Jeremiah and now for those of us who read his story. By the way, later on in Jeremiah, we see that a third type of ministry that God calls Jeremiah is to writing. This spoken message is that the people are to fill every jug with wine because all the kings, priests, prophets, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem will soon be filled with drunkenness because captivity is coming. Chapter 14 is a spoken word regarding the drought. And the Lord tells Jeremiah to not pray for the welfare of this people because even if they fast, he will not listen. Destruction is coming by sword, famine, and pestilence. The rest of chapter 14 addresses the issues of false prophets who claim that peace is coming. They are proclaiming the prosperity gospel, but the Lord did not send them. Destruction is still coming. Then chapter 15 starts off in an interesting way. 
Then the Lord said to me, Even though Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not be with this people. Send them away from my presence and let them go. When we studied Moses especially, I was amazed at how many times he interceded for the people. He pleaded to the Lord for mercy, and the Lord showed it. But this time, not even Moses, the one who spoke to the Lord as face to face, could not intercede. Judgment is coming. And as verse 2b says, those destined for death to death, and those destined for the sword to the sword, and those destined for famine to famine, and those destined for captivity to captivity. In verse 4, the Lord says, I will make them an object of horror among all the kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, the king of Judah, for what he did in Jerusalem. His story is found in 2 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 18, and 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verses 1 through 20. He was a wicked king. He placed idols within the temple. He led in children's sacrifices to other gods, and he caused the children of Israel to be worse than the heathen nations around them. The Assyrians actually took him into captivity, and while there, he did repent, and the Lord allowed him to come back to Jerusalem. But the people did not repent. Verse 6 of chapter 15 says, You who have forsaken me, declares the Lord, you keep going backward, so I will stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am tired of relenting. We again see Jeremiah's prayer to the Lord. Verses 15 through 18 read, You know, O Lord, remember me and visit me and revenge me of my persecutors. Do not, in view of your patience, take me away. Know that for your sake I suffered rebuke. Your words were found and I ate them, and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers, nor rejoiced. Because of your hand upon me, I sat alone, for you filled me with indignation. Why is my pain perpetual, and my wounds incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you indeed be to me like a liar, and as waters that fail? Ladies, this makes the difference between false prophets and true prophets. The word of the Lord. With King Josiah, the word of the law was found. Jeremiah read it and he gobbled it up. It is the Lord's words that bring joy and delight to heart. It is the Lord's words that we know who the Lord God is and what he requires. He is our sure foundation. What I love about Jeremiah's prayers are his honesty, and the Lord loves that. I also love the fact that Jeremiah was an outsider and largely due to his devotion to the Lord. When I look at his life, mine was not as bad as his, but I appreciate the fact that I can relate a little bit. 
The Lord reminds Jeremiah to stay faithful to him and return to him. And when he does that, the Lord will restore him, make him stand, save him, and deliver him. Jeremiah will be to the people a fortified wall of bronze. But again, ladies, Jeremiah had a choice. Will he return? Will he speak for the Lord? Or will he turn to them, the people? Thankfully, Jeremiah stays faithful in the midst of the suffering. We learn in chapter 16 that the Lord called Jeremiah to singleness because the times in which he lived would be horrible. In verse 11, again, we see the reason for this calamity, and it is because they have followed other gods and served them and bowed down to them, and they have forsaken the Lord, and they have not kept his law. Then, starting in verse 14, we see that days are coming. Hallelujah! Then people will no longer say, As the Lord lives who brought up Israel out of the land of Egypt, But then they will say, as the Lord lives who brought up Israel from the land of the north and from all the countries where he had banished them. Then the Lord declares that he will restore them to their own land, which he gave to their fathers. Even when the people are not faithful, the Lord is faithful to his covenant. In verse 16, we see, Behold, I'm going to send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will fish for them, meaning they will fish for the Israelites. Do you know anyone in the New Testament that uses this analogy? Ding, 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 Jesus! In the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, where he saw Peter and his brother Andrew, who were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. One note about prophecy. Yes, the words of Jeremiah had meaning for Jeremiah's time. The Lord brought forth various people to bring back the Jews in his day. But many of the Old Testament prophecies also refer to Jesus and his time, and some may still not be fully fulfilled. That, to me, is one of the things that makes this book amazing. With our last chapter today, 17, we see again the sinfulness of Judah and how we are cursed when we trust mankind and our ways. But those who trust in the Lord are blessed. One verse that I have memorized is Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This brings us all the way back to Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve and the first sin. And in Adam we have all sinned, says the Apostle Paul in the New Testament in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. Paul continues to say in verse 21, Because of sin there is death, and as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jeremiah cries in verse 14, Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are my praise. 
Salvation comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. This section ends in Jeremiah with a call to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. This is such a big deal because it shows if we are truly resting in the Lord and trusting Him, or are we trusting in our works and the ways of people. Ladies, let's choose the Lord. Let's choose blessings. Yes, like Jeremiah, there may be suffering, but the Lord is with us, and someday there will be a day when we meet him face to face. So if you hear his voice today, this day, don't harden your hearts like the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Instead, let's be women who obey like Jeremiah. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.